what evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> the shadow knows. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, the shadow will again start into that hazard zone of crime, the underworld. And don't forget, motorists, every time you ride over wet, slippery roads, you are entering the hazard zone of motoring, where a slippery film of water on the road may make complete command of your car almost impossible. That's why the development of the new Goodrich Silvertown tire with Lifesaver tread is such good news to every motorist. This new kind of tire gives the greatest protection ever offered against skids because the Lifesaver tread sweeps water right and left from under the tire, actually dries wet roads. You stop quicker, safer than you've ever stopped before. Remember, too, that the new Silvertown also gives you the famous Golden Ply blowout protection. Keep dangerous, stranger. Put these life-saving Silvertowns on your car now. There is no extra cost. The shadow, Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to the underworld as the shadow. Never seen, only heard, his true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story, The Voice of the Trumpet. Bronson, the drawing's all done but one section. Oh, but Fred, my dear boy, can't you finish it? You could guess what wheels and cogs will fit in with the rest of the mechanism. Nothing doing. I'm just a draftsman, not an inventor. I'll have to have more information. Oh, dear me. And the Normandy sails at midnight tonight. I wanted to catch it. Oh, so you're going to hustle a drawing aboard the minute it's finished, huh? Yes, indeed. The customers in Europe are willing to pay very good prices right now for secrets from our war department. Well, be careful. Anyone catches on to this game of ours and it'll be curtains for us. Don't be absurd, my boy. No one would suspect Albert Brunson, the distinguished authority on fine books, of being a spy. Yeah. It's a good cover for selling government secrets. It gives you an excuse for traveling. Yes, it's a clever dodge. But then we're all three very clever. You and I and our spiritualist friend, Brother Dykeman. Ah, Dykeman's a fake. Perhaps as a spiritualist, my boy, but not as a mind reader. Yeah. He must be able to read Philip Ryder's mind at any rate. Philip comes to the seances, sits there concentrating, and Dykeman gathers from his mind all the secrets of the War Department. Yeah, it is funny. But I always figured Dykeman must have got next to Ryder some way. Oh, impossible. Both Philip and Paul Ryder have been proven perfectly honest. Yeah, Paul got bumped off because he was so honest. Oh, let's not go into that subject. Okay. I'm getting pretty sick of sitting through those long-winded seances to get the information for my drawing. Be patient, Fred. 
One more session with that fake spirit should give you what you need. Why can't Dykeman read Ryder's mind and bring the information here? Because we mustn't be seen together. It might be fatal. Besides, I don't quite trust Dykeman. He's sure a clever faker, all right. I'll take it, I'll take it. Hello? Yes? Good night. You're sure? Yes. What's up? That was Dykeman. Ryder's coming to a seance tonight. And you'll be there, dear boy. You'll be there. Sure, sure. And in two days, the latest invention of the War Department should be on the way to Europe. I love this Café Le Manteau. None of our friends seem to have found it. My dear Margot, when I start meeting up with my friends at restaurants, I go looking for new places to eat. Well, you'd better start looking, then. Why? Philip Ryder's getting up from that table over in the corner. Haven't seen him for months. Oh, nor I. Not since his brother's funeral. No. Oh, he's certainly changed. Paul's being murdered was an awful shock yes. to him. Have they any notion who did it? Well, last time I talked to Commissioner Weston, he said the police were still in the dark. Your coffee, mademoiselle. Oh, thank you, Pierre. Lamont, Philip's coming this way. Why don't we try to cheer him up? All right. Why, Philip Ryder. Margot and Lamont. I say, you've been hiding yourself in one of your vaults in the war department. <laughs> We've been awfully rushed the last few months. I should think you might have been. Do sit down, Philip. Well, all right for a minute. You've been doing it yourself. Just keeping busy. Oh, you and your state secrets. You always get me so curious I could burst, but it never does me any good. Don't you ever break down and tell one little secret even to your best girl? <laughs> never. And quite right, too. Margot wants to paint the town, Philip. Won't you come along? Well, I'd like to awfully, but uh, I can't tonight. What is it, a previous engagement? Why... You bring uh, her along. Well, <laughs> it's not an engagement, really. I, I'd be delighted to have you both come with me, if you care to. Well, where are you going? Oh, don't laugh. I'm going to a spiritualistic seance. Oh, that sounds like fun. How do you feel about it, Lamont? Where's the meeting going to be? At uh, Mr. Dykeman's house. He's the medium. How do you happen to start that? Well, Dykeman looked me up. Came to my apartment one evening. Said he'd had a message for me from my brother Paul. From Paul? How odd. Yes. I miss my brother frightfully. Well, anyway, I went to the seance. You actually think this medium is a real thing? Yes, Lamont, I do. Spiritualism can be such a shield for fakers that I'm... Always a little suspicious. I know, but Mr. Dykeman is no faker. You see, when I went to the seance, Paul spoke to me. Uh, oh, Philip. Yes, yes, he did. Through a trumpet. You're positive? Yes. He's spoken to me of many things that only we two knew about. I'm forced to believe in Dykeman. I see. Well, do you care to come? Please do, Lamont. It, it sounds fascinating. Yes. Yes, let's go. I'm very eager to meet this Mr. Dykeman. Good evening, brothers and sisters. I wish to extend a greeting to all our old friends and our new ones. It is my hope that you will find peace and comfort which the rest of us share in the knowledge that the grave is not the end of life. Brother Ice, will you play... The tie that binds. Lamont? Yes? Somebody's coming. 
Somebody's dimming the light. That's, uh, that's part of the service. Don't tell me you're afraid. No, no, of course I'm not, really. Be quiet. You're not supposed to talk. Lamont. What is it? Look up at those shiny stripes that are swinging around up there. Those are the luminous bands on the trumpet. But how did they get up there? Uh, Marvel, please, please. Oh, sorry. That's, that's my dead father's voice. I'm sure it is. Yes, father. I am helping you. You must be careful of a tall blonde man. Trouble may come to you through him. I'll be careful, father. The voice did seem to come from the trumpet. I know. Let's be quiet. Philip. Philip! Yes, Paul. I'm here. What is it? I'm watching your work. I'm proud of what you're doing. Oh, I'm glad. It's not easy. I wish I could be there to help you. Oh, I wish you could, Paul. So much. I, I miss you. Don't be sad for me, Philip. Think of your work. I can't quite understand just what it is, this last assignment. Well, it's simple, Paul. If I could explain... I know you can't. But think of what you're doing at the office. Think. Think. And help me understand. Yes, Paul. If I am silent for a moment... It's because I'm going to try to understand what's in your mind. Trying to help. Now, be silent. Silent. This is absurd. Lamont, be quiet. Absurd. Well, Lamont, you broke the thread. Uh, Paul. Paul. Come back. Turn up the light. Turn them up, uh, Mr. Rice. Thank you. I'm sorry that we've been interrupted, but it is impossible for the spirit to communicate when there are unfriendly influences at work. You, sir, I am speaking to you. Yes? What you is it? You think this is all a fake, that I have no power. On the contrary, I think you have great powers. And yet you interrupt us. You scoff. You're determined to be hostile. Not at all. You interest me enormously. As a matter of fact, I should like to ask you a few questions. You simply want to discredit me. So the only satisfaction I can give you is that you have robbed these good people of the aid and comfort they seek. Lamont, let's go. This is terribly embarrassing. Very well, let's leave. Well, you know, I'm not embarrassed. I'm really very interested. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when the shadow laughs, it's no laughing matter for his enemies. And when you are suddenly faced with that common enemy of all motorists, a dangerous skid on wet, slippery pavements, it's no laughing matter to be behind the wheel. The shadow knows. Every day, someone, somewhere, experiences that sickening, pit-of-the-stomach feeling when his car swerves out of control. Beware! It pays to play safe. Yes, motorists. And when you equip your car with the new Goodrich Silvertown tire, 
you know you're playing safe. Because the nation's largest independent testing laboratory, the impartial Pittsburgh Testing Laboratory, tested this new kind of tire over a three-month period against the regular and premium-priced tires of America's six largest tire manufacturers. The official report from these impartial engineers reads, quote, The new Goodrich Silvertown with Lifesaver Tread gave greater skid resistance than any other tire tested, unquote. And some of the tires tested are priced at from 40% to 70% more than Silvertown. Yet the new Silvertown with Lifesaver Tread came out on top in skid protection. It came out on top in mileage, too. Average 19.1% more non-skid mileage than any of the tires tested in its own price range. Motorists, doesn't this prove which tire to put on your car? Get these life-saving long-mileage silver towns now. There is no extra cost. Sit down and cheer up. I, I'm sorry things turned out this way. Oh, for heaven's sake, don't you apologize. I think Lamont ought to beg your pardon. Behaving like that. Lamont! Uh huh. Oh, yes, Phil, I'm sorry if you're upset. Well, Lamont, you, you must admit that Mr. Dykeman is unusual. Oh, yes, but the mental world is so full of unusual things. I was just thinking about a drawing that I thought very recently... Strange how vividly I see the piece of apparatus right now. What in the world are you raving about, Lamont? A piece of apparatus. It's so clear to me. I even started drawing it here on the menu. It's a curious contraption of one small wheel within another. They revolve in opposite directions. There is a thousandth of an inch between the two. Look. Lamont. Yes? Don't draw that. Don't. Philip, what's wrong? You look ill. This is serious. You've seen this piece of apparatus before? We've been working on it for weeks at the department. Well, what's it for? You might as well know now. It's part of a new anti-aircraft gun. It ensures almost perfect aim at long range. Why, that's what Paul Spirit was talking about only tonight. How oh, interesting. No one knows of this. How do you come to Lamont? I saw it someplace just by chance. Yes, but where? Who had it in their possession? Do you recall? I'm sorry, Philip, but... Well, it doesn't matter anyhow. The thing will have to be scrapped. Thrown away? Of course. We have the whole big job to do over again. But how terrible. Lamont, try to remember where you saw it. It, it may not be too late to save the secret. Yes, please try, Lamont. But in the meantime, I've got to find my chief. Let him know. I'm sorry, Philip. Yes, it's it's too bad you can't remember. There are spies at if work. If there are, I hope you catch them, Philip. Good night, Philip. Oh. Good night. Good night, Longo. Good night, Philip. And now, Lamont Cranston, suppose you tell me where you saw that drawing. Now, Margot. Don't try to tell me you've forgotten. You never forget anything. Where did you see it and who had it? Well, Philip had it. I saw it at the seance. What? What? you mean? I saw the image in Philip's mind, saw it as plain as day. But how? Remember when that fake voice he thought was Paul's asked him to concentrate? Yes. In that moment of silence, I saw the drawing, plain as day, the dimensions, everything. But I thought that you... That wasn't spiritualism, it was mind reading. Philip Ryder had been giving the government secrets away to spies ever since he started going to these seances. Oh, but that's impossible. If I could see the drawing in his mind, so could a clever, practiced mind reader, a man like Dykeman. Oh, but why didn't you tell Philip? He wouldn't believe me. But he may go back there and talk to Paul's spirit. He may tell other secrets. No, I don't think that he will. Let's go now. Go where? Back to Dykeman's and find out who he passes his information to and how. Perhaps the seance will still be in session. Oh, but Lamont, Dykeman will certainly not be pleased to see you again. But Margot, he won't see me. I'm going as the shadow.
it speak. I'm listening. You have understood all the facts I have communicated. Gotten all down pat, Spirit. Go ahead. Spill some more. This inner wheel I have told you of is separated from the outer one by a hair-like space of one thousandth of an inch. Understand, Fred? Yeah, I got it. Is that all? That is all. I must return to the spirit world. Now, my friends, to get on to other messages. Our brother Fred should be very satisfied. I see he is leaving us. Now, let us wait for further communications from my controls. Mr. Fred. What? What do you want? I don't know you. Oh, it's nothing. Nothing, only... It's wonderful how the spirits talk to you at our meetings. You you don't seem very reverent, but they talk to you. I... Sure, sure, they talk. What about it? Nothing. Nothing, only I, I wish they would to me. Do you think... I think you're just a nut. Get out of my way. <laughs> What's that? Who laughed? There's no one there. Why, the spirits must be hovering over Fred. I... <laughs> My dear boy, come in. Come in, you're late. I stopped beefing. I got here, didn't I? Yes, yes, yes. You'll close the door, Fred. I did close it. No, no, Fred. It's still open. I'd have sworn I shut it. You obviously didn't. Well, the cat can't be working right. Ah, there, there. That's better. Tell me, have you the figures to finish our drawing? No, not all of them. There's one spot I can't fill yet. Why not? Some nutty guy interrupted Dykeman's session with Philip Ryder. Uh, too bad, too bad. Here's the drawing. Get to work, Fred. Hey, stop ordering me around. Now, Fred, don't be impudent. What do you think I am? Fred, dear boy. You are the man who killed Paul Ryder. Don't forget that. You were in on that job, too. But you fired the shot, dear boy. Please don't forget that. I haven't. Now, let's not have any more impertinence, please. Why, you... Now, now, now. Cool down. You and I can't afford to fight, dear boy. We're too useful to each other. Only think what a nice large sum of money we shall get from this job. Yeah. All right, but I'll just throw in those two wheels I got the dope on tonight and then... I wouldn't, Fred, if I were you. Huh? What'd you say, Bronson? I didn't say a word. I hope you haven't started talking to yourself. He hasn't, Mr. Bronson. Hey, what is this? Who are you? Where are you? Men know me as the Shadow. What the... I can't see anyone. Who is it? What do you want? I want to stop you two from betraying your country's secrets. What? If you sell that drawing, millions of your countrymen may pay for your treachery with their lives. Hey, Brunson, I can't stand this. It gets me. A voice and nobody's there. Now, don't be excited, Fred. Look at me. I'm perfectly calm. You are not afraid then, Bronson? Of course not. But, Bronson, this spook is real. Fred, don't be a fool. This is some trick of Dykeman's. Dykeman's? Of course. He's so clever with his trumpets and strange voices. Aren't you, Dykeman? <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. I am not Dykeman. I am the Shadow. I have come to warn you. Indeed, Shadow. Are we in danger? Grave danger, Bronson. If you attempt to sell the information in this drawing, tear it up. Now. Hey, I don't like this. Calm down, Fred. This is Dykeman. He's 
trying to drive us out of the field so he can collect everything for himself. Isn't that the truth, Dagwood? He don't answer. Is he gone? I imagine so. Once he realized... Hey, Bronson, look. What is it? There on the desk where the drawing was. It's gone. Yeah, it's been stolen. Hey, Bronson, I'm scared. Ah, nonsense, nonsense. Come on. Where? Where are you going? To find Dykeman, you fool. What are you going to do? You and I, Fred, are going to kill our dear friend Dykeman. Come along. <laughs> Shadow calling Margot Lane. Margot Lane, get in touch with Commissioner Weston. Have him surround Mr. Dykeman's house at once. Have him bring Philip Ryder with him. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Now, my friends, we must have silence or the seance cannot succeed. Silence. Hey, Bronson. Yes, Fred. You hear that? Dykeman's got a late seance going on inside right now. Yes, dear boy, that seems to be true. And he couldn't have been the shadow. Nonsense. He probably just sneaked back here ahead of us. Go in and speak to him. Tell him you wish to reach the spirits. We'll surprise, dear Mr. Dykeman. Yeah. All right, come on. Newcomers have entered the room. Please do not be disturbed, my friends. Have you any questions? I want to ask some. This is Fred again. Silence. Fred is calling. Silence. I am here, Fred. What do you wish? Is there something wrong? Huh? Yeah, there is. You know that drawing I was working on? Yes, yes, I know. It's been stolen. Stolen? By whom? It was not stolen. The shadow took it. What's that? Who is speaking? The shadow, Dykeman. Friends, someone is trying to put over a fraud. That is not a spirit voice. No. This is the voice of the shadow. Dykeman, you are in danger. What is this voice, Dykeman? I don't know. It's some sort of fraud. It's you who are the fraud, Dykeman. Making these poor people think they are talking to their loved ones. Friends, this is an outrage, a trick... Ladies and gentlemen, please keep your seats. This is obviously a fraud. It isn't the voice of a spirit. Confess. Somebody turn on the lights and show this faker up. Turn on the lights. Where's the door? The lights. Oh, there they are. Ladies and gentlemen. You see, the voice has stopped. The faker can't talk through the trumpet. With the lights on. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Do you hear? Do you still think I'm a fake? No. No. But go away and leave me be. Not until you've done as I tell you. What is it you want me to do? Tell these people you're a fraud. Oh, no, no. Tell them that you're the voice of the spirits that talk to them. All right. All right, I'm at it. Now, now, will you leave me alone? There's one thing more. What? Tell them you're a member of a spy ring. The same ring that killed Paul Ryder. All right. Tell them who your boss is. All right. I'll tell them. I... Who fired that shot? It was this man here. Brother Dykeman. Brother Dykeman. Brother Dykeman. Are you all right? 
Come in, Commissioner Weston. You're just in time. Someone fire a gun in here? Yes. Well, the Dykeman has just been killed. Yeah. Who, shot him? Who did it? Well, we don't know. He... Did anybody see the gun being fired? Well, we were all too excited to yeah. notice, but the, but the shot seemed to come from over there. And yeah, that's where it seemed. none of you saw who did it? Well, I, I, I couldn't be sure, but I... I thought it was this man. Yeah, I, I didn't thought it was, too. It was this fellow here. It was not. No, Men, no, no, no. lock the doors. Don't let anyone out. We'll search this mob. Commissioner uh, Weston. Yes, what is it? What? Say, who spoke to me? This is the shadow, Commissioner Weston. The shadow? I might have known. You see the man standing in the corner? The man... Well, yes. That's Elbert Bronson, the book collector. He poses as a book collector... Really, the head of a great spy ring. Search him. This is an outrage. I'm sorry, Mr. Bronson, but it's necessary. Right. Two minutes, please. Stand still. No gun on him. Search oh. the young man beside him. His name is Fred. Yes. Ah, here we are. A gun. And just fired. You, Bronson, you planted it on me after you killed Dykeman. Why? What nonsense. Commissioner Weston, I presume that I'm... Free to go now? Well, now I... Commissioner, look at the papers you just took from the pocket of Bronson and of Fred. These papers? Show them to Philip Ryder. Why, what are they? A, a drawing. Commissioner, the voice is right. These men are spies. Bronson, that's the drawing that was stolen from us. Quiet, you fool. It's torn in half. And each of these men had a half in his pocket. But that's impossible. The drawing had been spo stolen. It couldn't have gotten back into our pockets. Then you confess you had it in your possession once? You own that you are spies? I own nothing. Convict me if you can. If you can't be proven spies, at least you can be held for the murder of two men. Two men? Yes. Dykeman and Paul Ryder. I didn't do it. I didn't. It was Fred. Then take them away. There you go. We won't have much trouble convicting them if they've killed two men. Yes, they killed two men. But what is worse, they tried to sell the lives of thousands of their countrymen for a little money. Yes, Shadow. I guess they never counted on meeting up with you. No. They believed they could betray their country and escape the consequences. But they were wrong. Treason cannot succeed. Traitors must be punished. And I will fight to save my country from men like these. They dared to commit these crimes because they had never met me. They did not know or fear the shadow. <laughs> You have been listening to a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
D-I-S-C-O. Nabisco is the name to know. For a breakfast you can't beat, eat Nabisco shredded wheat. Looks as if Dave is riding straight into trouble. I hope Steve and Packy will think of the right thing to do and rescue him. And you know something, boys and girls, the right thing for you to do when you see a dish of Nabisco shredded wheat in front of you is to reach for a spoon and start eating. Yes, those delicious Nabisco shredded wheat biscuits topped with milk and sugar are really something, and something you'll want plenty of. You see, Nabisco shredded wheat is pure whole wheat, rich natural grain that's grown out on the western plains. Yes, it's mighty good tasting, and a mighty fine energy food to keep you going strong all morning long. Tell Mother it's Nabisco shredded wheat for you tomorrow morning, sure. Looks as if Deaver and Slick are getting just what's coming to them. But say, boys and girls, there's something good coming your way when you ask for Nabisco shredded wheat for breakfast. Yes, sir, those crisp, toasty biscuits are mighty delicious. Just top them with sugar and milk, and you're having a real straight arrow breakfast. And a breakfast that'll keep you going strong all morning long. Because Nabisco shredded wheat is pure whole wheat, a real energy food. And, of course, Nabisco shredded wheat and milk give you some important vitamins that you need. Better check with Mother now to see if she has plenty of Nabisco shredded wheat on hand. Tell her you'll be glad to go to the store for Nabisco shredded wheat anytime. Remember to get the package with a picture of Niagara Falls. And remember, N-A-B-I-S-C-O, Nabisco is the name to know. For a breakfast you can't beat, eat Nabisco shredded wheat. Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. My stories start in many different ways. This one began with a kid and a hundred dollar bill and ended in the death cell of Joliet. Night beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. It was a great night. Chilly as I walked hunched against the rain, stopping long enough to catch the sweetness and light in the headlines. H-bomb menace, traffic toll mounts, murderers to die this morning in the electric chair. Okay, people, keep it up. You're doing fine. But I had my own worries, wondering where my ever-loving story had come from tonight. It hit me before I expected it. A little kid, six, maybe, came running at me and into me before I could step aside. Well, you better get those brakes relined, fella. Let me go, let me go. Okay, okay, where to? I, I'm on the way, I... All right, all right, now you get your breath for the second lap. They're coming after me. Oh, who? I want to go to my mom. I thought you were running away, I, uh... Wait a second, what's this? My money. A hundred dollar bill? It's mine. Just a little loose change, huh? Please give it back to me, I gotta get a bus. Where do you live? I I want to go to to sixteen Wolverton. Mm-hmm. Wolverton's quite a piece from here. They're coming. They're coming after me. Who? In the auto. See. 
Hmm, looks like we're surrounded, kiddo. Take it easy for a second. It's him! You've been a bad boy, Marty. Running away like this. Are you gonna take me back? Uh, you're a kid, mister? No. What's the angle here? The kid ran away from his old man. I didn't. My father's dead. Sure. He always says that. Now, come on, Marty. No. It seems he doesn't want to go with you. He will. Or maybe not. I'd like to Shut know what... Shut up. Eddie, back. Big boys. Yeah. Mister, you just forget all about this. Marty, get in the car. Get away from that kid. Eddie, Mac. Go. Don't hit him. Go. That's a sample. Open your trap again and you get the rest. Come on, let's go. Before my eyes closed all the way, I saw them hustle the kid into the car. It began to move away, glided under a street lamp, and from the rear window a face looked out. Jerry McCallum. The brains behind almost any illegitimate enterprise you could name. Nothing too small or too big for Jerry if it made a nickel. From what I saw of McCallum's face, he could have gone in right then for murder. Mine. A half hour later, after some minor repairs on my face, I dropped in to see Sergeant Kalski. I asked some questions, and I got some answers. McCallum had never gone in for kidnapping, and no cop would stick his neck out without positive proof. If I wanted to go slumming, I was going alone. It wasn't part of McCallum's place, but knowing where he lived and getting to see him were two different things. However, I had a hunch that Jerry McCallum would see me. I made sure of it by sending him a note with one word on it, Marty. McCallum had me shown in. He smiled at me from behind a marble-topped desk, flanked by two of his boys, one of them my playmate of a little earlier. Oh, he's glad to see a newspaper boy, Stone. You fellas print rough stuff once in a while, but it makes good for circulation, huh? True or not? Yeah, sure. You know, we uh, make up those things printed about you. Forgive us. So, what do you want tonight, Stone? For a starter, uh, ten minutes alone with Loverboy there, the one on your right. Will he bigger? Why? Yes. Now, Willie hasn't been... I know. Hasn't been out of your sight for a week. In fact, about 40 minutes ago, he was baking a cake. Okay, forget it. Good idea. Where's the kid? Marty? Yeah. Do you like children? Yeah, until they grow up. They're nice people. The kid's none of your business, Stone. Yet I'm curious. Along comes a kid with a hundred dollars. That all? Well, he took it. I, I keep lots of dough around here and drawers everywhere. The kid grabs some and be it. Why? Because he wanted to go home? Did he say where? I, uh... No. No, he didn't. Okay, then. This is his home. What would you say if I told you he was my kid? Nothing. I'd be speechless. Stone, forget this whole thing. You've got nothing. Nothing. Whatever you're thinking is your idea, and that's as far as we go. That's as far as you go? Both of us. Now, beat it. Don't crowd your luck. Okay. There's nothing I can prove, but it makes a good story. It's good reading. You've got no finish to it. You know, Frank Stockton wrote a story once, The Lady and the Tiger. There's no finish to that one either, but it caused more comment that way. You're not scaring me, Stone. People can ask all the questions they want after tomorrow. After tomorrow? Mr. McCallum, why after tomorrow? I'm sick of looking at you. I'm even sicker of listening to you. Now, get out. Oh, by the way, Mr. Get out. Yeah, one thing more, though. A friend of mine, a cop named Kowski, knows that I came here. I'm telling you in case my back looks inviting when I walk out. So long. On the way down to the street, that tight feeling grabbed my throat, made my nose itch and my eyes water. 
I kept my shoulders hunched against a bullet or a knife, but nothing came. Why not? I asked that a thousand times before I hit the street. I knew I didn't scare McCallum when I told him about Kalski. McCallum had a million ways to rub out anybody who got in his way and a million alibis to keep himself clear. He'd done it before. But me, he let go. Why? He said, after tomorrow. He didn't want anything to happen until after tomorrow. I kept thinking and kept walking. And then something began to go around on the back of my head. McCallum tomorrow. McCallum tomorrow. And suddenly it hit. All about the electric ocean PR. Paper, mister? Uh, yeah, star. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice morning for somebody to sit in a hot seat, huh? Classy looking dame, too. Now, why fry something like that? There's a million dollars that you better bring. McCallum's girlfriend. McCallum's. Yeah, where you been, mister? Everybody knows that. Yeah, but you forget things when they're not uh, close to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, classy-looking thing. Never think a doll like that a bumper husband, huh? I'm gonna fry it. Hey, mister, you sick or something? Or uh, something, yeah. Bud, you ever get a great big hunch? Once. I lost. I might, too, but it's worth a try. I grabbed a cab. I thought maybe some of McCallum's boys were tailing me, so I had the driver cut back and forth. Then, when I was sure we were clean, I had him drive to McCallum's apartment house and park down the street a few doors. And it's okay, mister? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turn off your motor. Okay, but I gotta leave the meter ticket. That's okay. Now, listen, now turn off your lights. Hey, what? Look, I'm Randy Stone, Chicago Star. Here's my press card. Okay, okay. Hey, what's up? Hey, you take this newspaper. Hey, what do I do with it? I pretend you're reading it. All right. You want a story? Yeah. Now, look, don't pay any attention to anything. You're just part. You're waiting for a fare. You're reading that paper. Understand? I get it. Hey, well, what about you? I'll sit back. Think anybody can see me from the outside? Nah. Not if you sit in the corner. Nah. Okay. Now, just sit and read the paper. Okay. I guess this dame's gonna cook, eh? Uh, yeah. You'd think a big shed like McCallan to be able to get his doll off a rat. Eh, but he didn't. I wonder. You wonder? Eh. Mister, at midnight she gets it. They pull a switch. Then, bzz, no more Lorraine Adams. Eh, ain't much to wonder about. Once hold they it, pull hold it, it, it hmm? hold it. Pretend to read the paper. Hmm. Can you see? Yeah. Some guys are coming out. You see? Yeah. What is it? They're looking this way. Don't look up. One of them's coming this way. Okay, start your motor. Start pulling out. Yeah. We've got to go right past him. You better squeeze hard against that back seat. I'm all right. Don't go too fast. You know, just as though you're cruising for a fare. Okay. It's okay. They ain't looking at us. Hey. Hey, Mr. Stone, did you see that thing that was... Yeah, yeah, get past. Then step on it around the corner. Mister, I ain't sure what I see, but there was a dame just coming out of the lobby. I only got a quick look at her face. Yeah, yeah, so did I. What did you see? <laughs> if that dame was in this doll in the paper, I'll buy a horse. Yeah, so we're even. We're both crazy. I saw her, too. Lorraine Adams. How do you convince a night editor you haven't suddenly walked out from under your head? How do you do it even when you've got proof of something that sounds and looks crazy? 
I listened to my editor, Matt Cammell. You're nuts, both of you. Stay in out of the night air. Yeah, but both of us saw the driver. I got eyes. Yeah? You want to take any bets, either of you? Oh, I let call come through, Matt. When that call from Joliet comes through, five will get you tax-free ten that Lorraine Adams is sitting in the debt cell right now. She's not. All you've got is a yarn about a kid wandering around holding a hundred bucks in his hot little hand. There's no record of any kidnapping, any... Look, uh, look. Lorraine Adams killed her husband because she was McCallum's girlfriend. You remember the trial? She pleaded not guilty, self-defense. Yeah, but it didn't stick. Public sentiment was against her. Yes, and no appeal, nothing. Jerry McCallum didn't raise a finger to get her off. Why not? Why not, Matt? Couldn't, that's all. With his battery of high-priced lawyers and with his connections? Okay, okay. What's your best? That Lorraine Adams is free right now. I don't know how. I don't know what the kid Marty has to do with it, but... There's a call, Andy. Hold your hat. Matt, come over here. Okay, put it through. Randy. What? Putting up a fine? Oh, on the line. Okay. Now, uh, uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Stromberg, you're covering the uh, Lorraine Adams electrocution, aren't you? Uh-huh. Well, listen, this is going to sound nuts, but is Lorraine Adams still in the death cell? Oh, you don't say. Okay, C.R., thanks. Uh, no, that's all. So long. All right, all right, Matt. Give. You know what I'm going to do with this five spot? Buy you a jacket with sleeves to tie in the back. What did Stromberg say? The Lorraine Adams execution is scheduled tonight as planned. The chaplain is with Lorraine Adams right now because at midnight, in uh, exactly two hours and ten minutes, she burns. And Randy Stone. In two hours and ten minutes, Lorraine Adams would go to the electric chair. What I saw, and the cab driver saw, right in the middle of Chicago, free as a bird. I checked some more after I left the office. The police went along with the gag and checked the prison. Yes, the girl in the death cell was Lorraine Adams. Her fingerprints proved it. But then who was the girl the cab driver and I saw? Was McCallum going to work a switch at the last minute? Fantastic! Sure, but McCallum might be able to work it. And how did little Marty tie in? What did a six-year-old kid have to do with it? Well, I had until midnight to learn a lot of things. There was only one place to start. 616 Wolverton, the address Marty had given me. It was a cheap boarding house. I had the driver wait. I knocked on the manager's door. It took three minutes to get her out of bed. And she wasn't happy. Oh, what do you want, huh? What's the idea, huh? Uh, Randy Stone, Chicago Star. I take a newspaper. You selling papers this time in the morning? Oh, no, listen to me, will you? Magazines I... all day, newspapers in the middle of the night. Here, take this and listen. Ten bucks? For what? Does a little kid live here. His name was Marty, about six, brown hair, cute little guy. Are you kidding? That was four or five months ago. But he lived here? With his mother. His mother? What did she look like? Ask my husband. Where did she go? Only one thing I can tell. She worked at a joint called, uh, uh, the... Um, oh, come on, now, come on. The Blue Heron. Yeah, I said, Blue Heron. <laughs> Your hat, sir? May I 
check it for you? No, thanks, honey. That clock behind you, is it right? Sure. It's only 10 to 11. The night is young. You want to bet? How long you been here? A year, maybe. Why? Well, I won't check my hat, but I'll leave this with you. For five dollars, you could leave a diving suit. Who do I kill? A girl used to work here. She had a little boy. A little boy named Marty. I don't remember. Oh, yes, you do, baby. Your face shows it. So I need makeup. You've seen the kid, haven't you? You knew his mother? Look, mister, I don't know anything that goes on. I check hats and coats. That's why Mr. McCallum pays me. McCallum? Oh, the blue heron is one of his spots. Oh, go away now, will you? Did you like the girl? She... She was a sweet kid. Well, then help her. She's in trouble. I don't know anything, but there was a guy, a knocked-out musician, trombone player. He, he went for her. Find him. Where? What's his name? Harry Aaron. He used to play here, but when Peggy left... Peggy? He... Yeah, Peggy. She... Hey, you don't even know her name. What do you want? Where can I find Harry Aaron? You get out of here. Beat it. Take it easy. Get out before I call the bouncer. With the clock getting ahead of me, I looked up Harry Aaron in the musician's directory. With only an hour and ten minutes left, I tried to find him. Yes, he played here, he played there. He was a good boy, but he was always high. I covered one spot after another. Time running out. An hour left. Fifty minutes. And then finally I hit a rooming house. One of those places where you stay up all day and all night. Anybody goes to sleep, he's a curiosity. There was a jam session going on and I headed for the music. Five boys were swinging high, but the trombone player was the one I wanted. Skinny, pale face, overworked on perspiration, drenched hair. I walked over to him. Cut in. What do you play? Nothing. What do you drink? Nothing. What are you living for? Harry, Harry, come on off the ceiling. Can you hear me? I want to talk about Peggy. Peggy! What? What do you say? I want to talk about Peggy. You remember? What about her? What about Peggy? Let's get out of here, Harry. There's a coffee shop down the street. Hey, buy me a drink, huh? All right, all right. But come on, huh? Hey, wait, 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 wait a second. Wait. Uh, listen to that beat, boy. It's like a train running inside. <laughs> and grab anything. Cut in any place. Peggy. Harry. Harry. Peggy. Uh, are you, you said Peggy? Harry, you got to come with me. You've got to talk. we got 40 minutes, Harry. And after that, it's kiss the boys goodbye. I made him drink coffee strong and black, and I made him walk until his head cleared up a little, but it took time. Time and only 30 minutes of it left before that execution. And then we sat and talked. What do you want from me? I'm knocked out. Me, the top is all gone. Inside, gone. What do you want from me? Peggy, where is she? And why did she leave? Who are you? I'm Stone, Chicago star. Now listen to me. You remember Marty? Marty, sure. Peggy's kid. I got a picture of her right here. Hey, That's Peggy, and that's Marty right there. Peggy? This is Peggy? Yeah. Dark hair, you bleach it blonde, and she... look, Harry. Talk fast. I don't. I don't know what we'll get, but tell me when you saw Piggy last and what she said. She was going away with him, McCallum. McCallum, why? This one night after the show, she was in the line. She was, you know, the chorus. Yep. I, I went to see her. I found a pack and packing a suitcase. But she didn't tell me before that she was walking out. She just looked at. Me. 
to by fast, Harry. Real fast. Well, why, kid? What's all the rush? I can't tell you, Harry. Only you're not going to see me anymore. Oh, yeah, I get it. You don't, Harry. You don't at all. Sure, McCallum. I know. We talked a long time to yesterday. It's nothing to do with McCallum. No, sure not. It's nothing to do with a knocked out horn player either, huh? Oh, Harry. Don't talk like that. Okay, I'll play it for you sometime. Twenty choruses. I don't blame you, Peggy. I got a kid, Marty. I'm sick, you know that. Got maybe a year. Doc said so. What happens to the kid then? What happens to me? I could. Maybe I. I ain't gonna have Marty eating off trunk, crackers and milk three times a day. Now what's McCallum gonna do for him? Say goodbye, Harry. Please. You know I love you. You know that. Yes. Means nothing to you. Oh, the love. Harry, get out of here. Don't stand there just looking at me. I won't be able to go through with it. I won't. And I go, Harry, for my kids. Well, that's all. That's all I know. When did that happen? Five, uh... Yeah, five months ago. Just before Lorraine Adams went to trial for murder. What are you talking about? Look. This is Lorraine Adams' picture in the paper. Here's Peggy. Uh, See? Bleach Peggy's hair and she's Lorraine Adams. McCallum saw that. You're crazy, Stone. You're crazy. McCallum couldn't make the switch. He did it before the trial. Lorraine Adams gave herself up a week after she killed her husband. But it wasn't Lorraine. It was Peggy. Crazy. It's crazy. No. Less than half an hour, Peggy will go to the electric chair in place of Lorraine Adams. But get her out. you got to do something. Our only proof is Marty, but he's at McCallum's place. Stone, she's going to die. You said it. She's going to die. Stone, do something. Well, I'm going to Joliet to see the warden. you got to do something, too, Harry. Find Marty. It's preposterous, Mr. Stone. Impossible. But it was done, warden. And in ten minutes, a girl will go to the chair. Ten minutes. I've called the governor. He's left it up to me. Well, then stop the execution. I can do that only if this girl admits she's not Lorraine Adams. I've broken a rule, Stone, on the strength of what you've told me. The girl is being brought here. The visiting room to talk to you. And what if she doesn't admit? There's no proof. The execution is scheduled. Oh, where is that Harry? Warden. She's here. Bring her in, Chapel. Hello, Peggy. What is your name? I am Lorraine Adams. Chaplain, this girl is not Lorraine Adams. Didn't she tell you that? What she told me, I... I cannot tell you. But in a case like this... I confessed my crime to him and to God. Yes, that you took Lorraine Adams' place. You were tried, convicted, sentenced, and you'll die. In less than ten minutes, you'll die. I am Lorraine Adams. You took her place. You gave yourself up in her place. That's why the real Lorraine Adams was gone for a week, to give you time to beat your hair and... I killed my husband. You're killing yourself. For what? For Marty? For your boy? No, Peggy, no. Peggy, why don't you... There's nothing else to say. Look, you made a bargain with McCallum. What kind of a bargain? Did you never see your son again? You only had a year to live, but in that year you'd have had him. And what did you leave him to? A vicious gangster who'll never keep his promise to you. You'll die, Peggy, and so will Marty. Yes, he'll die too. As you know him, he'll be dead. Think what he'll be living with a rat like that. I'm Lorraine Adams. 
Mr. Rain Adams. Oh, Warden, I can't believe she'd lie now. She's facing death, Stone. She can't lie. But she is for her boy. She would. She would. Now, wait a moment. Hey, Sonny. Mom! Mom! Let me go, let me go. Marty! Let him go, Kim. Mom, I've been looking lots of places. Mom, it's me, Mom. You, you got different hair. No, Mom, you, you ain't mad at me. <laughs> oh, Marty, Marty, baby. <laughs> Harry brought me, Mom. He's hurt. Where is he? I think out here, Mister Stone. Hiya, Harry. Stone, I, I get here in time? Yeah, in time, Harry. Uh, that's real out of this world. How did you get McCallum? A long time ago, I, I bought a gun. I, I never used it until the night. Warden, I'll get the girl. All right, Peggy. Hi, Peggy. Hi. Harry. I had a hard time trying to get in here. Take it easy, Harry. Sure. Thank you. I go... Oh, brother. Am I a knockdown character? For sure. Love. L-O-V-E. Spell it one way, interpret it a hundred ways. McCallum's for Lorraine Adams. Be willing to wreck anyone else's life. Peggy's for Marty. Harry's for Peggy. Yeah, it's love that makes the world go round. It all depends on who does the spinning. <laughs> Copy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> 